Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a Q&A from the 59th New York Film Festival with What Do We See When We Look at the Sky director Alexandra Kabaritze, moderated by NYFF director of programming Dennis Lim. Among contemporary cinema's most exciting and distinctive new voices, Georgian director Alexandra Kabaritze has created an intimate city symphony like no other with his latest film. Beginning as an off-kilter romance in which footballer Georgi and pharmacist Lisa are brought together on the streets of Kutaisi by chance only to have their dreams complicated when they become victims of an age-old curse. What do we see when we look at the sky continues to radically and pleasurably shapeshift, ultimately becomes a lovely portrait of an entire urban landscape and the preoccupations and World Cup obsessions of the people who live there. Kabaritze has made an idiosyncratic epic out of passing glances that feels as free and fulsome as a fairy tale. What do we see when we look at the sky is now playing in our theaters. For tickets and showtimes, go to filmlink.org sky. Thanks again for being here with us. You know, it's your first time in, in, in the festival and this is only your, your second feature film. So I thought maybe I'll just start by asking you to, since many of us are meeting you for the first time, to just tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to cinema. I think your two features for me, the other one is Let the Summer Come Again, are so interesting because they don't, they seem in the best way, a little bit out of place in, in contemporary cinema. So I'm just curious about your path and how you came to make films. Um, hello again. It was, I don't know, I started thinking about making uh, films, I think quite late, maybe with 20, 21. Uh, it was, uh, I don't know, b before, in school and also after I started to study like uh, microeconomics and management and, and it was just to study something and not to go to military but it was just a time with 17, 18 when I so I had nothing which interested me really or where I had a feeling the thing I want to do or I, I have so um, at some point it started it, it was a I don't know, it's a small story of me coming home, my mom saying, I saw a great film. It was a film by Guy Ritchie. Uh, then I watched the film and uh, I thought, which wow. One, which one? Um, with guns, two guns and... Uh, oh, um, lock, stock and two smoking yes. barrels. Yeah. Um, I watched it and I thought, if I can make things like this too, so maybe... Not in a Not bad way, but somehow I had a feeling I understand how this works. So this uh, this film and my mom watching it and liking it somehow gave me a feeling I should try to... But that was your introduction to cinema? No. Not introduction to cinema, but it, it was first time feeling that I could do something could, which right. my mom would like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then what? You went to film school. And then uh, I, I, I changed from uh, microeconomics to film producing, which I studied. And then I went to Berlin, where I also studied film producing for two years. And then I changed to directing, and I studied it now for 12 years. Okay. So what was that experience of being, being at... You, you went to the DFFB, which is one of the, the best film schools in, in, in Germany, in Berlin. And what 
what was formative for you in that in that in that period? Like, uh, the FFB for me was uh, also like when I was uh, applying to German schools. Uh, I was not sure should I apply for directing or for producing. So I applied to Hamburg Film School for producing. I uh, know for dire for directing and to DFFB for producing. And I thought, who would take me? I will do it for my life. And then DFFB took me. It was producing, so I thought, okay, that's the fate. Um, but then after two years, I still realized it. Um, producing was a bit hard for me, and the directors who I was producing were also not so satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a big luck that I was able to change because uh, it was like strange time at our school. There was no head of the school and uh, everything bit out of control. So they let me change from producing to directing. Now it's hard. Now you have to apply from the beginning. But yeah, the FFP is a place, I think, where I met people who, who taught me um, quite a lot and who I'm learning from also now, like uh, my teacher, I'm, we are friends also now, Marin Maciewski, or this other students. Um, we, we are friends, but also friends in a way of how we think mm -hmm. about films. I think the thing that both your films have in common, um, besides, I mean, there are many things, I think, but in turn, they both deal with love stories. But they're also they're long films, um, and they feel they see, they feel like films that contain a lot in terms of um, ideas uh, and ways of storytelling. Um, they seem almost watching them, you get a sense that you're trying to see how much a film can contain. And I don't know if that's the that's the, if that is something you're actually setting out to do, or if that's just something that emerges in the process. Just the number of number of stories, the number of turns that it takes, the number of you know ways of telling stories that you're trying in these films. For years, like also at the DFFB, you you are kind of not forced, but you you do the short films, and I also all the time had a like a feeling that. I, because like shorts also in, in a way that you can make long films, but you have the camera, for example, for three days. And sometimes it's hard then to make a long film. So in these years of the ideas which you, or things you want to do, gather, 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 and then at some point, I don't know, I, I made this film, let the thumbnail come again. And, um, I think I've done there everything what I wanted to do before in all my life uh, because it was fun and it was just doing everything what you want and there's no one who can tell you don't do it. And it was not quite the same with the film uh, we just saw because um, when you shoot with a bigger team and uh, on a film and with a bigger camera, you can't do everything. But still, uh, we, we, I mean, the cinematographer of the film, we, we were s trying to s speak about the process as a game that we are playing. And uh, besides that, it's okay, it's quite a hard thing. It's an expensive game, but still, let's play. And What does a film like this look like on the page? How, how scripted was it? Because a lot of it, is voiceover and was the voiceover already in place before you start shooting or is it something that comes later 
voiceover was there but not so much but also the script um, started to change a lot when we arrived in Kutaisi um, my plan was to to shoot only not only but mostly in around this white bridge and in this cafe to, to stay there and uh, but through this year we spent in Kutaisi um, we were going every day out to take a walk, to eat, to meet some people, and um, every day we were saying maybe let's write a scene which can take a place here, or maybe bring something here, because we were finding places where we wanted to make something. We didn't use every place because it was also like a decision. We let's not use everything, uh, so let's hide some things which we are for us and not for everyone, but um, still uh, the, the city was changing the script like every day. So tell us a little bit about the city, about Kutaisi, this place, and, and its significance for you, your decision to, to, to shoot there, because you're, you're from Tbilisi, which is the, the largest city. Yeah, Kutaisi is... A sorry, I should say your previous film was also shot, was shot in Tbilisi, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the decision. I, I was shooting my previous film quite a, for a long time in Tbilisi, so I thought it's enough. Uh, so I should change, and um, Kutaisi was more or less the next option. Kutaisi is um, really heart of of Georgia in any way, like geographically, it's in the center, but also. Um, Anyway, like culturally, politically, it, it has a big meaning. Um, or it had a big meaning in the past. So if you go to Georgian school, you learn a lot about Kutaisi, but about the past. Uh, or there are many films which are made there, but me and also people around me, we didn't knew much about Kutaisi of today. So um, it was kind of a risky decision because I didn't knew how it will be or how it works. We went there, and after one or two days, it was clear that, yes, we, we want to stay here. Uh, and uh, in this preparation for one year, every day, we were discovering things which were kind of proving that our decision was, was right. Um, sometimes good things, sometimes bad things, but uh, interesting. There... Um a few scenes, um, a few passages that I'd, I'd like you to maybe elaborate on and, and tell us a bit about your thinking behind them, because I, 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 um, I think that might might um, just help us get a sense of, of of what you're after in this film. One of the first one is this um, this moment where you invite the audience to close their eyes. Can you talk about that a bit? Mm. I'm now. I'm like a dreaming or think, thinking about making. Uh, like a film for children. Uh, and um, I'm also thinking to use things like this where it will become kind of a game mm -hmm. with kids where they maybe should do some stuff, where it'd be m more things like this. But the thing was, on one hand, I knew that magic has to happen, and uh, I don't know how to show it, so it's definitely better to hide it. Uh, and then, also, it was this wish to, because it is a fairy tale, and uh, fairy tale is not only for kids, but at least in our days, it's considered for kids. 
and I wanted to start this kind of a game, like when it becomes really fun, when you become part of something and when you can do things. So you see the film as a fairy tale? Yeah, I, I, I started to write it um, as a fairy tale and follow this idea till the end, I think. Did you have any particular tales or any particular like folk traditions in mind or not really i um i tried for some other script um i tried to to read all kinds of fairy tales um it was like uh, i i i somehow decided i don't know now why but in at some night i decided that i wanted to make three or four fairy tales um and then i started to read them and then when you like every day when you are in touch with this kind of stories also then you get this kind of ideas because uh, yeah it's it's a world where anything can happen and uh, if if you every day read stuff like this then you start to think also like this can you say say more about the attraction to the fairy tale is it about uh, is it a way of rejecting realism for you as a filmmaker or um, I think it's more about or expanding. Yeah, so. just um, for me, it's uh, this one and also the last film. On I think also then I hope the next one. Uh, it's about like also like the quote in this film how it ends that th things like this that the things we know from fairy tales are not from some separate world. Um, but could happen also in our world. Like my problem with many films which deal with fairy tales is that uh, very often they, the, the strange things which happen are considered as a fantasy of a mm -hmm. character or a dream or stuff like this, but not the reality, not the mm. realism. So I tried to give this kind of stuff more space and say this is also our world right hi i'm clinton crude and i'm devika girish we're the editors of film comment the film comment letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by film comments editors and brilliant contributors the letter delivers exclusive features reviews interviews streaming picks news and more directly to subscribers inboxes every thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. Another scene I wanted you to expand on is the, the slow motion sequence of the kids playing football. Maybe mm -hmm. talk about football in general too, which is a big part of the film. And I, you're, you're a fan. It's a, it's um, yeah, I'm a fan, but... I think before becoming a fan, I, I was, I'm just someone who didn't became a football player and who should But you have. played? You, no, I, no, not professionally. And um, I don't know, when I think... Actually, the football is like only thing... I know if I do it tomorrow, when I go to sleep, I fell asleep with a smile on my face. Uh, and uh, I think if there's something like this exists, you should do it. But okay, now I'm too old to do it. So now I try to somehow compensate this uh, in, in films. 
also like while preparing this film, we once went to like in Kutaisi, there is a football stadium of the team Torpedo. So there is this tunnel where the football players go on a field. That's how they took us. And it was for me also like a moment I when I understood, okay, that's what I was born for, to experience it, to go on the field and it's full and the national anthem is playing. And it was very sad for me because I, know, I knew it won't happen in reality, but somehow I can make maybe it in films. Um, so here it's one try, but uh, I think it will be more. Um, and with this slow motion, th that's how it started, I think. I was maybe five or six when this World Cup, it's an official song of World Cup in Italy in 1990. Um, when Maradona lost the final against Germans and he was crying and uh, it was shocking for five, I was five or six, maybe I saw it in the TV and it was really strange because the, you know, when you're five and the guy, it's not so cool to cry. But there, there was this guy who was crying and everybody was loving him. So I was, it was hard to understand what's going on. And then my mom explained me again that he's the, best in the world and he lost. It was also strange to understand if, if he's the best, how can he lose? Um, but uh, that's, I, I think this was a very important moment for me because that's where I understood you can be best and you can lose. And if you cry, it's quite okay. You can still be cool and stuff like this. And this being very emotional, which uh, Diego Maradona was, um, and I think every human has these big emotions inside, just not everybody's showing it. Um, and I'm also, as a human in my everyday life, I, uh, as you see, I'm not showing it, but I, in, in this moment, in this slow motion, I, I wanted to, to share this, like a huge emotion. This the song has also official music video where the big football players are doing stuff in the slow motion, and I wanted to bring it to this small yard in Kutaisi where the kids are doing the same as Franz Beckenbauer or Maradona and stuff. Um, I want to ask you about the voiceover. Um, that's you, right? That's your voice. Can you talk about what you see this how did you conceive of the of the voiceover because it's um it, it it's this sort of you're assuming this sort of all-knowing position of like narrating the entire story but then it also becomes more contemplative you know sort of ruminating on 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 various things there's that there's that moment i think it's when it's transitioning from part 1 to part 2 where you're talking about like you know forest fires and animal cruelty and 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 this references to the the, br the brutal world in which we live. So I'm just wondering if you can say a bit more about your thinking behind the voiceover. Um, I I think I've never done a film without voiceover. It's like a challenge. I give myself every time, but uh, it's not working. I think I have to give up and say okay. I'll do every film with voiceover because it, it it has different functions. Like for me, I I think it comes also from my grandma who was reading all the books to me, and that's how I grew up without reading but listening to someone reading. 
and that's somehow the normal reality of getting stories and I think it's very deep um, inside of me um, and then uh, like also like what, what bores me or what is not the most pleasant for me is to write or shoot the scenes which are functional in a way that uh, these scenes are there to tell this and this or make a setup for some story and uh, this kind of voiceover gives you really the possibility to make it really short to, to, because the, there's the storyteller who says that these are the rules, this is the story, and let's start. So you can make it in two minutes what maybe you would have needed 20. And then you have time to, to, to really do what you want. So for me, this is the main function of... Uh, storyteller in but there are also others like there are things what which i want to tell as a as a human and uh, but not make a film about it but just just say it without um, without making art out of it just like say as i think about it so that's how i use it too and there is like this third uh, in this film at least, like the third uh, version of the storyteller who is talking about city um, and uh, kind of uh, making this film to kind of a documentary about the place, which is also not sure because nobody knows if it's true or not, um, because it's also part of a, of a fairy tale. Um, all right, I think we have a time for maybe two quick questions from the audience. Um, I just want to also say that we are doing, um, Alexander is doing a talk um, at seven o'clock with um, another filmmaker who has a film in the main slate, Sylvan Zercher, director of The Girl and the Spider. So you can continue the conversation across the street, um, but we'll take two now. Yeah, right here. The, the question is about just the, the title card about the guy eating lilacs. Is that, that's the title card and yeah. It was a, yeah, one of the things which also are like, I, I was not able to explain it to anyone. I just had this, uh, uh, because of course, like you, you, when you are making uh, first, editing second, then you are showing this to uh, friends or people interested in it. And like everybody was saying, yeah, but what is this? Do you really need it? And uh, I thought, yeah, because I, I had this this image, what what is written there, um, somehow in my head that a sad guy with tears and chewing lilacs, um, and somehow I, I wanted to to share this image with with everyone, um, and I thought it 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 can be seen in this film by this by the director, um, yeah, but I can understand that it's not really in there. The specific, that, I think that part about the voiceover where you're talking about the, f the forest fires and the cruelty to animals. And yeah, it was the, the time when the things were happening, or I mean the things like this uh, or, or wars are, are happening almost every day around us, so I don't know, th these things, I, can, I think it bothers everyone so um, I had a feeling I, I want to clarify my uh, how I see it and it's somehow important for me that 
uh, it's said and it's in the film. So if someone asks me 30 years later what we were thinking about it, I can say it's it's there. I, I know it's it's not about changing something. It's just it was important for me to say what I think about it and say it as clear as possible without making film about it, but to say in, in a few words. And sort of related to that, it, it, you come back to addressing this idea of, of brutality at the end when you, the voiceover, you say like, what, what should I say that I made films? Can you talk about that sentiment? Like, and you know, it's interesting that that comes at the end of the film after we've seen the film and you're, you're sort of questioning like this. Oh. I think the, the, I think the question is huge. I I ask this thing myself all the time because it, it's it's just strange. There are so many things you could do, and uh, sometimes because there, I don't know there are these moments of when I'm sure that I make films because I'm lazy or I don't know to do the the things I don't know to to do something real to help someone or I don't know there, there are many things which are but yeah it's uh, on the next day I wake up and then I think okay I'll make a film but these are things uh, I think everyone thinks every day like what should I do or but yeah these problems are also so big it's it's hard to find a way how what to do against it but also, if you dig deep, you find people who, who find solutions, not for huge things, but for, for small problems. Yeah. Okay, I think we'll squeeze in one more. Yes. Yep. Question is about the football game and whether you directed the kids or were you just shooting them? There were like few things which, which I wanted to have, like how they put the ball or how, how they kick the ball in the air and how they look uh, uh, to the sky. We didn't know the, the name of the film yet, but uh, it's, um, yeah, but the rest, it was like half a day of them playing football and us with the camera uh, being there and uh, filming it. It's, it's quite hard because they are playing and the camera is expensive and uh, <laughs> Uh, some yeah, we had uh, me, me, and also three other guys. We were like uh, goalkeepers trying to catch the ball if it goes towards the camera. I know we're late, but I, I, a couple of things I wanted the maybe the audience to be aware of, and maybe you can address. Uh, one is that your parents are in the film, and that your brother wrote the music. So can you just quickly talk about this uh, collaboration with your family? Yeah, my the this this direct uh, film team like the director is my mom, and the cameraman is my father. Um, it was uh, my father was happy when I asked my mom. We at some point I had to say I lose all the money if you don't do it because, uh, <laughs> and then she said okay. Um, um, now she has a because I want her for another film, and she said. Only if Mads Mikkelsen will act in the film, I will act too. So I don't know. And yeah, my, my, my brother made the sound design and, and wrote the, the music. Okay, and, and lastly, since you just brought up the title, you said the title came to you later? 
Yeah, it was a longest thinking process for me about anything. Uh, uh, it was just uh, maybe five minutes before they said, if you don't have a title, you won't have anything. So <laughs> yeah. Is 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 it a rhetorical question or like what you know? Do you have an answer for that? What do we see when we look at this guy? Um, no, I think every every everyone has his own question. That's why I like the title because it's it's everyone ha should find his or her answer. Yeah. All right, um, we're going to have to wrap it up, but you can uh, continue the conversation at seven across the street um, if you'd like. Thank you so much for coming, Alexander. Thank you so much for coming.